Hey, good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be able to welcome everyone to our legal holiday shear and breakfast. Um, this is the last uh, legal holiday shear and breakfast of this academic year, if you will. And uh, as is always the case, it's always a tremendous pleasure to see how many people on a, uh, a legal holiday morning when they could be out doing all kinds of exciting things, tobogganing, um, bungee jumping, you know, all kinds of exciting activities on a Memorial Day morning. Uh, nonetheless, they choose to come to Shul to be involved in Liman HaTorah and uh, to connect to, uh, to a Torah Shir on a very profound level. So before we get started this morning, I want to remind everyone of our third annual brunch, which Bezos Hashem will be Sunday, June 16th at 10.15 a.m., right next door in the Orenstein. Uh, the brunch, which is the major source of support for the shul, uh, will be in memory of Rebbe and Sheila Feinstein, Shalom. and we have the schuss of the Rosh Hashiva, Rebbe Ruben Feinstein, will be speaking to us at that time. Uh, I would encourage anyone who has any degree of connection to the shul whatsoever, even if you know your regular shul is somewhere else, but you dive in here occasionally, you come here occasionally, uh, it's a tremendous opportunity to come to show your support for the shul to show your support and, and for the Rosh Hashiva, for the Rebetzin Aleha Shalom. It's, uh, it's been a wonderful experience over these past two years having the brunch, and uh, we certainly want to encourage everyone uh, to come, to bring friends, and to participate in what is uh, a very, very special occasion uh, for our shul. Over the past two years, we've had the very special privilege of having the Siegel Torah Institute daily Torah learning in the shul uh, under the, guide, the guidance and the leadership of Rabbi Dr. David Horowitz and um, I think many of the people who are here are participants and even those who are not participants but have heard about it certainly recognize the tremendous depth of Liman HaTorah which the Siegel Torah Institute has added to our shul It's a beautiful thing to be able to walk into the shul on a daily basis in the morning and to see people engaged in Torah study and growing in that way. Um, As we did last year, we'd like to use Memorial Day as an opportunity to sort of have the the, the final end-of-season shear of the Siegel Torah Institute with Rabbi Dr. Horowitz. He will be speaking about how loudly may one daven conflicting sources and perspectives. I'm not quite sure how loudly to give this introduction, to maybe shout out, here's Rabbi Horowitz, or maybe to whisper, here's Rabbi Horowitz. But in any case, it's a covenant for us to present Rabbi Horowitz. Um, I, have a, I have a whole host of Myra McComos for this lecture on how loudly one may daven. So, if anyone would like to... Uh, peruse it, look at it. Um, there are actually more Marmacomos than um, I'm going to discuss in the 45 minutes here, but uh, keep them, you can look them over, it's very interesting, and of course um, there's so many perspectives. So I hope, you know, without um, criticizing anyone who davens too loudly and not loudly enough, I think this year will present a the variety of perspectives of Halacha which all guide us in what the point of davening is to 
pour our hearts and our souls out to the Rabbana Shalom. The first part of any halakhic discussion of how loudly one may daven must be the account in the first chapter of the biblical book of Shmuel and the prayer of Chana. Allow me to have a brief autobiographical reminiscence. I was bar mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah. So I lamed I lay Hazino, which was the following Shabbos. It was one of those Thursday, Friday, Shabbos, Rosh Hashanahs. Rosh Hashanah was Thursday and Friday. Shabbos Shuvah was Shabbos. So I lamed Hazino on Shabbos, but on Rosh Hashanah itself, it was my daily shul, so he was able to, uh, you know, fazork everything for me. I lamed the Haftorah. Haftorah, the first day of Rosh Hashanah, of course, is the story of Chana. Chana had no child. She was miserable, and she prayed to God to have a child. I was, I was an only child of my mother. So my mother used to say it was the Sukhus that I was by mitzvah on Rosh Hashanah, and I got to be able to say publicly in the Haftorah the Tefillah of Chana, who just wanted to have one son. As we know, Chazal derived numerous laws of prayer from Chana. And when I use the word prayer, I'm specifically referring to Shmon Esrei. So we must study the narrative of Chana, who was praying for a son. The narrative goes as follows. Namar Mekomos is the first page, the first line. V'chana hi medaberes al-liba her lips were moving her voice was not heard presumably by other people as we will see Eli did not hear what Hannah was saying look at Rashi right away Rashi says second line Shomer, Lashon Hamtana, then it goes on, Vachshaveh, Leila, Lishikora, Eli thought she was drunk, Shalom, Hoyu, Regilin, Lispalel, Balachash. In other words, the way Rashi understands it, Chana was davening more softly than was the norm. Rav Yosef Kara, Kara here is not really a last name, it's an adjective, like the Bible scholar, a northern French biblical commentator, who was a compatriot and contemporary of Rashi, is a little more elaborate. He writes as follows. So you have here the second page of the Marmokomos. We're going to move <laughs> to the Marmokomos. If you want to uh, keep up. It's second page, second column, third line. Rocks the Posea on the Oath, the Kolo Lo Yishomea. And this point, why did Ailey think she was drunk? Because she was just moving her lips and not enunciating. The Dabar Zeshla Nishma Kola Gorom Le Vayek Yachshavel Ailey Lishikora. Why? Sheilu Shoma Mahi Mispaleles. Had he heard what she was praying for, Loha Yagorba. Okay, so Rabbi Yosef Kara is a little more elaborate. He seems to say that uh, had Ailing knew what she was uh, doubting about, he wouldn't have uh, thought she was uh, drunk. In any event, 
This, of course, is the major makor, the major source for laws of prayer. Now, I believe, in order to understand these issues, we have to de- define the halachic terms which denote various levels of loudness or softness in praying. We'll proceed from less noisy to more noisy. So the first case would be a case in which there's no noise, no moving of the lips at all, just thinking. The Hebrew term is hirhur. Why can't you just think prayer? Now there's a question in the Gemara, various places, whether hirhur kadibur or not, whether thinking is halakhically and legally equivalent to speaking or not. When the law designates, like Birkatsa Muslim, for example, when the law designates you must praise God after you eat, you must bench. Does that mean verbally speaking? Maybe thinking is good enough. So the, without going to the whole issue, it's one of these Shastugyas, the conclusion of the Gemara post game is certainly with respect to biblical laws, Hirhur is not equivalent to Dibur. So now, granting that the obligation to Davin is biblical, that should immediately close the case. That thinking is certainly no good, and one must at least move the lips. We're going to see moving the lips as a minimum or as a maximum. We'll get to that a little later. So when Hannah was moving her lips, that was the absolute minimum that was necessary for thinking prayer is insufficient. But it's not quite that simple. The Magen Avram, in his commentary on Shulchan Aruch, wonders, why don't we say with regard to prayer that we should be more lenient than in other cases? Why should that be? Because, he writes, with prayer, with davening, the most important and essential aspect is the kavana shebelev, the intention of the heart. This could be construed as providing an argument claiming that the fulfillment of the obligation of prayer is just by thinking it. But Magen Avram rejects it. That's the next page of my Makomos, but I'll just, uh, I'll just say this outside. Magen Avram says, we don't say that. Davening is not an exception. Moreover, he writes that any text which implies that a sick person, God forbid, could fulfill his obligation of prayer just by thinking has to be reinterpreted. That's not true. Now, God certainly takes into account the endeavors of a person who is sick and is unable to do more than think the prayers, and certainly God will reward him or her for that activity. But it's still not a fulfillment of the formal mitzvah of prayer. Because the universal rule that hirhur, thinking is not kedibur, thinking is not equivalent to speaking, but it's considered a lower level activity, still remains. Okay, so now we have done 20% of the issue. We have now concluded that one needs at least a second level of activity beyond thinking. That's called the second level, the moving of the lips. So it's not enough to just look at the Shemon Esrei, you know, with your eyes, you have to move your lips. So Chana, her lips were moving, was fulfilling that law of tefillah. The question is, however, whether one needs even more than that, whether it is an option to do more than that, 
Or conversely, maybe you can take a position that one should dafka only do that. So here we must now introduce a third level, and then a fourth level, and then a fifth level. The third level is Hishmiya Le'oznov. You, your own ears hear what you are saying. Not only is the person moving his or her lips, he's also hearing what he is saying. Now that could still be very low. That's a whisper. Now, certain places, I'm shown in the, they equate davening belachash silently with hearing your own voice. The point of hearing your own voice is a level that other people do not hear you. But you hear yourself. With respect to this issue, there's a very important Yerushalmi in Brachos. Yerushalmi, in the second paragraph of Brachos, distinguishes between Kriya Shema and Tzila, that is Shmona Esrei. Okay, this is in page 6 of the Marimakomos. It's a Mishnah in the second paragraph of Brachos. Mishnah writes, it's a famous Mishnah, Kriya Shema. Hakare Shema Velo Shmiya Let's say you say Shema without hearing what you are saying. Yatsa. You have fulfilled your mitzvah. Rabbi Yossi Omer Lo Yatsa. Rabbi Yossi says that you have to be able to hear what you're saying in Shema. And then, I underlined it, the Gemara, a few lines down, says, well, what's the din by davening? So the Gemara says, Tani, Nispalel Vlo Hishmiya Oznu Yatsa. If you daven, but you do not hear what you are saying, evidently just doing the chituch svasayim without emitting any coal at all, you yell say. And presumably this means the diabet. So Mara says, what's the point? Why do you have to say this? Lamin You only have to teach this law according to Rabbi Yossi. Which Rabbi Yossi? Haidin Rabbi Yossi. Hadaditanina. Hakare Yeshmav lo Shmir lo Ozno Yatsa Rabbi Yossi Omer lo Yatsa In other words Yishami says that look turn to Rabbi Yehuda who says even Kriyashma you don't have to enunciate words so either for sure by Tzvilah or equivalently by Tzvilah you wouldn't have to do anything more than Chituch Tepostayim either but according to Rabbi Yossi Rabbi demands that by Kriya Shema you have to hear yourself and if you don't do that you haven't fulfilled the obligation of Shema so you might have thought that you're not Yotze by Tzvilah either comes again the Matzana of the Gemara based on this Raisa that Kamash Malan you are Yotze even according to Rabbi Okay, but the clear implication of this Raisa is that it's only B'dyeved. No, post facto. If you daven without hearing yourself, okay, B'dyeved, you are Yotze. But L'chathila, one should do more. And one should hear him or herself davening. Okay, now, by the way, we're going to see that there actually might be another way to understand uh, this distinction and it may be there's at least one view that says you should not hear yourself even L'Chathila but that's not certainly the Pashup Shad of this Yerushalmi here okay so where are we up to? we know that hear her logically you could have thought thinking is good enough but that's uh, not acceptable you need Chitoch Sipostayim move the lips 
and l'chatchil at least you have to do what's called hishmiya le'ozno or okay ozno now we have to go to a fourth and fifth level of loudness right you know by decimal by decibels it gets uh, each time you know like logarithmic right you know it gets more and more so now, so now, now we're going to two higher levels one is what's called Mashmiya Kolo Mashmiya Tifil so sh- you make other people hear your voice the big difference right one can whisper like that and you hear your own voice but no one else hears you what about the level which someone is dabbling so loudly that other people hear his voice then there's even a fifth level beyond Mashmiya Kolo which is called Magbiya Kolo right from the word Gavoa you're literally lifting your voice the decibel level is so much more and this can be halakhically distinguished from the previous level as we shall see let's start with the Gemara the Babli in the third parak of Brachos this already is the first text we are going to see that says explicitly you should not daven too loudly either we already saw that hear her is not good enough Kitoch Sosayim you know, the Diyaved. This is page four of the Marmakomos. Oh, no, excuse me. We'll start first with page three of the Marmakomos. That's the Babli Masechus Brachos, Chavzalat Amun Beis. Third line from the top, second word in. Give everyone a minute. Do you want to see? Get the place. Hamashmiya Kolo Bitsvilaso. Somebody who davens so loudly that other people hear him Hareze Miktane you would say Amuna here it might be pronounced Amuna the point is the same he is like somebody that does not have too much faith in God what? what's going on with this? we'll see in a minute then Hamagbiya Kolo Bitfiloso someone who really lifts his voice Hareze Minaviye Hasheker He's a false prophet. What does this mean? Let's look at Rashi on top. It's the fourth of the four wide lines. Harezem Mitzani Amana Ki Ilu Ein Hakadosh Baruch Hu Shomeyat Filas Lachas. What's the point of davening so loudly? You think God doesn't hear you? God's not a human being that has a uh, ear which is affected more by decibel levels, right? We believe Ein Lo Demus Hagufe Ein Ogul. God does not have any physical characteristics. So therefore, the whole idea of davening is, is, it makes no sense. On the contrary, it seems to be a theological mistake. Now, the question about Magbiya, if you follow the Bach, that should end the first Rashi. That's how the Bach understands it. Then Hamagbiya Harbe. If you really raise your voice, Harbe, even louder than Mashmiya, your Magbiya, your yelling, no, your Tzoek, Haritem in Hasheker. Why? This goes back to the famous episode in the Bible, in Sefer Malachim, about the big confrontation between Elio Hanavi and the Nevi'e Habal. Right? So he was an exception to the rule that could only have Korbonus in the base of Mikdash. And Elio said, it's us against the Baal. 
and if our God is the true God let the fire come down right? we know the story so the prophets of Baal they were going crazy they were screaming and yelling and cutting themselves look at Rashi that's exactly what pagans right pagans from the Indians they, they have their uh, rain dances and then they yell and scream we don't believe that so that's why it's not just that you don't have to daven too loudly it's from a more religious level wrong Okay, so you read this Gemara, it's clear that it seems that according to the Babli, Magbiya Kolo, first of all, technically, is even more than Machmiya Kolo, and Magbiya Kolo is even worse. Now, there's a question, I'll briefly mention it now, we'll see something in a moment, whether Yashalmi recognizes this distinction between these two levels of dominating too loudly. Rav Goran is safer, Yashalmi Hamaforash one place suggests that maybe the Rishamim does not distinguish between them. Okay. Others assume that without explicit evidence to the contrary, we should assume that the Rishamim also agrees that these are two different levels of davening. According to the Babli, these two levels of davening too loudly are Mashmiya Kolo, making other people hear you, and then, which is even worse, Mashmiya Kolo. Interestingly, some Gaonim have another text, another Gears in the Babli. They say one who is Mashmia Kolo is over the Isser of Gasus Ruach. Haughtiness. He couldn't care less that his davening is bothering somebody else. So, according to this version of the Babli, the elevated decibel level of Mashmia Kolo, I would say, is followed. He's Violating an Isabin Adam Lechavero. But the Magbia Kolo, who's really yelling, is being like in the VA Habal, he's violating an Isser Bin Adam Lamakam between man and God. Now, the fact that Magbia Kolo can be construed, construed as violating Isser that, if not technically connected to Avodah is at least conceptually related to it, might make it more difficult to accept exceptions to the rule. Right? As opposed to Mashmiya Kolo, especially if you only save the issue of Gasarua, which might readily allow for exemptions or exceptions, as we shall see. Okay. Now let's example let's examine, excuse me, a Tanitic statement that, that claims that the case of Chana itself teaches us that one should not daven too loudly. There are at least three versions of this statement in the Bavli, in the Shalmi, and the Tosefta. Then there's a big machlokas whether you say Shalom Yisrael, they're all basically saying the same thing, or are there differences, or is it two against one, or are all, all the three versions different? Let's look at this, at uh, least some of the sources in turn. Page four in the Marimakomos, this is probably the most famous Gemara which teaches us about Chana. near the bottom of the page, bottom of the Daf. It's from Tanayim. It's the third of the wide lines. Right, the, the bottom ten lines of Lamed Aleph and Lamed are very wide. The third of those is the fourth word in. Yachol Yashmiya Kolo Bitsilato, which now we know means maybe you should daven so loudly that you should have other people hear. No. 
kvar mefurish ayyadei chana shenemar v'kola lo yishomeya Okay, that's the Bobli. However, if you look at the Yerushalmi, that's page 7, it's a little different. We have Yochol Yehei Magbiya Kolo Oh, Umisbalel Perish Bechana Bechana Himadaberes Al Liba So according to all accounts, we know from Bechana not only the minimum, but you know the maximum beyond, beyond which something is usher. What is that maximum? How do we define it? Right? So that, that all depends on the girsa of the Havamina. If the girsa is Yachol Yagbiya Kolo, which is what the Yushalmi has, so you, could, you might deduce that according to the Yushalmi, only Magbiya Kolo is prohibited, but Mashmiya Kolo is okay. And not only are you allowed to daven to hear herself, but if I'm davening here and the next person hears me, that's okay. There's no evidence that it's no good, according to Yashami. But if your girsa is like the girsa Nababli, Yoch Yehei Machmiya Kolo, so that means that not only really yelling, Machmiya Kolo, even Machmiya Kolo that someone else hears is too loud. So, have a problem. You have to figure out um, how we posture. So, finally, without doing everything inside, you look at the, the parallel tosefta. I have the Marmokomo, so I'll just say it's outside. There's another gear to the tosefta. It says, Yocho Yashmiya Kolo Leoznov. And that's a hard gear stuff. This discussion what the tosefta is. Uh, Shonim and Tosefta the whole discussion about what the right gears in the Tosefta. Point is, once you have La'oznov, that sounds like your own ears. Yochi Yehei Mashmiya Kolo La'oznov, or even if you don't have the word Kolo, you just have Yochol Yashmiya La'oznov, and then Kamash Lamlon Chana, that seems to imply that Chana is even less than that. That would imply that Chana dominant in a level that she couldn't even hear herself that would lead us to the position that any level beyond is not right so we have the Babli, the Yashalmi and, and the Tosefta now of course the Maskana we always say you know the famous riff in and the Masech is Erevin. It says, you have a Machlokis between Babli and the Yushalmi. Lo Ichbaslan. Strong language. We don't care what the Yushalmi says. We pass like Talmud Babli. So, it's very interesting to see this is the, the Tosefta from one perspective and the Yushalmi from another perspective. In terms of the Babli, that will be, that will be the guy for Lachalamaisa. But having said that, I still think it's very um, informative just to see the different ways in which different uh, texts of Chazal worked out what Hannah was doing. Now, let us turn from the words of the Tanoim to the words of the Amorayim. Once again, we have two versions of a list of the many laws of prayer that we derive from Hannah. So in the Babli, 
the author is Rab Hamnuna, in the Ushami, the author is Rab Yosef Rab Chanina. But you could tell it's, it's, it's the list saying how many laws of prayer do we learn from Chana? Then there's a list. For example, well, we, we know that a shikar, God to this one who's drunk, cannot daven. Okay, let me just make a methodological point. Both in the Bavli and the Ashamu, we must grant that it's, if not highly unlikely, virtually, you know, just impossible, almost unacceptable, that a Tanaitic statement that is unopposed would be followed by an Amora statement that contradicts it without any further discussion in the Gemara, how could the Amora contradict the Tana? At least has to be some discussion about that. Now, this is going to be important for what we're about to see. Remember we saw Machlokis in the Babli and the Ashamli, what the Havamina, as the Tanitic statement, Yochol Yachbiya Kolo, or Yochol Yashmiya Kolo. Problem is, when we look here in the Babli, it's page four again, to so go back to that, it says, it's four lines from the bottom. Amorab Hamuna. Kama Hilchasa Gavirta, how many major halachos ikalamashrami hani kroy the chana? We learned so many laws of davening from Chana. So it says, okay, we'll read the, a few lines. Chana him the beres aliba mikanshem is balotel sheichavin libo. Raks vaseha naos. That's the minimum. Mikan is balot sheyachtoch misvasov. The kolo lo yishamea mikansha also lahagbiya kolo bitzvilaso. Now that's hard. You see, if you have your shalmi. Yachol Yagbiya, and you're not. So this is simply fortifying that it cannot be Magbiya. But if, like the Babli has, the Gears is Yachol Yashmiya, that means you can't even dominate so loudly someone else hears you. You have to only hear yourself. How can you then have a statement by an Amora saying the only thing which is prohibited is Yagbiya Kolo, implying that Mashmiya Kolo Acherim is okay? So, that, so here, there's an alternate gears recorded in the 19th century safety, the Duke Sofrim, published by Rav Nasanatha Rabinowitz, that he has, you know, that Duke Sofrim has alternate texts in the different Kispayat of the Babli and the Rishonim. So he has, in Rav Hamnuna's statement as well, that not Mikansha also Lakbiya Kolo, Mikansha also Lahashmiya Kolo. Oh. So according to that, the Bobby's position is clear. Like we saw in the other Gemara, and someone's from Hashemiah Kolo, it's, it's uh, either Megasi Aruach or Dani Amana. So one should daven lechatchila so that one hears him or herself, but one may not daven so loudly so the other one hears him. Now, fundamental question now occurs. Are there any exceptions to these rules? Are there cases in which one may nonetheless daven more loudly at the level of Mashmiya Kolo or maybe even at Matbiya Kolo. So, okay, we'll get to, we'll get to that. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, not everyone agrees to all those. First of all, anyway, but we're talking about Tefillah now. Shmona Estrei, remember, we say Tefillah with, you know, without, without any adjective means Shmona Estrei. So let, let's look at, back to page 3, Rav Huna had a comment on that Reitzah that said that somebody who is Mashmiat Tzvilo is like Dani Amona and someone who is Mazviya Kolo is like Nvi'e Habal. 
It's the second of the mid-sized lines. And that's, that's this uh, is one of those Gemara's. You have thin lines, medium lines, and wide lines. Second of the medium lines. Amorapuna. Lo shanu. Lo shanu what? That hamakbiya kola betvilasareis mektaniya mana elashe yachol lechavenes libo belachash. That's only for the standard person who is able to concentrate and daven with, you know, sincerity and and and, and uh, thinking about what he what he is uh, davening, what she is davening silently. But let's say you are unable to do so. Avol ein yachol lechavenes libo belachash. Mutter. If you just can't have kavana, like whispering, the only, the, the, the most important thing is to pray to God sincerely. Now, people use this a, a expression, let's say they're not learning, they're doing the Gemara very quickly. Let's say, I, I just davened up the Gemara. So that's terrible from two perspectives. First of all, when you learn, you should learn seriously. And what do we daven up the Gemara? That's assuming it's, it's, it's granted that I'm not going to daven uh, seriously. That's terrible. The most important thing when we pray to God is to have a sincere dialogue with God. We're speaking to, we, we, we are communicating with God and want God to answer our prayers. So, Rav Huna says, if you just can't get Kavana without, I will ein yoch Mutter. But then, don't take it too far. The Hani Mili be Yachid. Abal Bitsibur. Asi Lamitra Tsibura. That only works when you're dominating by yourself. But if you're in Shul, you can't. Uh, you, this heter does not apply. This is a great uh, topic by itself. It's, uh, but there's so many other things I have to deal with. I'm not going to uh, spend too much time. I'll just mention one point the Rashbah says, and therefore, so what, what type of a person just can't do it? So there might be a view that says, so daven at home. If you can't daven without, you know, speaking too loudly, and if you're, and it's also an absolute that you can't bother anyone else when you're davening, right? Asi lamitrad, maybe daven v'yechidus. Okay, but let's now look. Let's, let's go back to Rav Huna's statement. Rav Huna only commented on Mashmia Kolo Bitsvilaso. He did not say anything about Magbia Kolo Bitsvilaso. And that's why some lot of people are Mazaik in the Rambam. The Rambam quotes this only for Mashmia. So it would come out that you are never, ever allowed to be Magbia Kolo Bitsvilaso. You are allowed to be. Mashmia Kolo Bitfilaso for Kavona. Okay, the Gra also points out that this heter is only for Mashmia and not for Matfia. However, does everyone agree with this? No. The Beis Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Karo, he claims that this heter is certainly Chal even for Magbia Kolo. And he quotes an amazing Yerushalmi that describes the behavior of two Amorayim. Let us look at this Yerushalmi inside. This is page 8 of the Maramakomo. This is <coughs> the behavior of one Rav Yonah. So I underlined it. 
page A, the third line, um, third word from the end. First of all, very interesting uh, view. Rabbi Abba Barzabli Makhdi Bikolam. Whatever that means, he says he's Davin Bikol. Well, come back to this maybe if I get a chance. Rabbi Yonah, Kad, Kad is the Yushama Aramaic word for when. Kad Havi Makhdi Biknishta, when he would Davin in the base Knesset, Havi Makhdi Bilachisha. He would Davin silently. Whispering, right? He would be mashmiya to his own call, and that's it. But kad hava matli gavbeise when he would daven inside his own house, hava matli bekola he would daven so loudly. Ad the yalfun bnei beise tlose mine. His children, his family learned how to daven, how to pronounce the words in Shmona Esrei, how to do it. They learned that from him. They learned it from his silent monastery. Why? Because his silent monastery wasn't silent. Okay. It's interesting the discussion. Um, okay, there's interesting discussion between the Beis Yosef and his Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzchak Abohav, one of the last Gedolim in Spain before the expulsion of 1492. The question revolves around the word Ad in the Yushalmi. Was Rav Yonah specifically davening loudly in order to teach his family how to daven? For example, how to correctly pronounce words? Or no? Was he only davening loudly for his own sake? To increase his kavana? It was an accidental byproduct of what was happening. It was an accidental byproduct of his loud davening that his family learned how to daven correctly. So this is the dispute between the Beis Yosef and the the Yosef Abohav. By the way, just Professor Louis Ginsburg in his scholarly commentary on the Yishalmi, he argued that the correct gears in the Yishalmi has to be odd. Because uh, there's another gears that key, there seems to be another gears that kihechi, and those that seemingly have the text kadei kihechi were just giving an interpretation of the Yushalmi. Okay, give me one second. There's another. I don't know if I have it in the Marmakomos that I, that 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 I uh, gave out, but there is an interesting point in the Yushalmi that probably could die to to read inside for the base Yosef. So if you have it, I don't know if it's in all the versions of what I have uh, photostatted, but it's page 17 in the Marmacomos. We'll skip some and go to that. It's hard to see the 17, but it's all, it's all the way... It's it's a tour arachaim hechos filas simin kuf alas. So it's on the like the in, like inside the it's uh, three six like nine lines from the top. There's a large word bekasav bekasav rabenu hagodom Maria boav zal. He creates neya mechaber meaning the tour. Pirech zehamamer shomer ad the yalfi minei bnei beisei sheyehu ose letachlis zeh. Now this is very important. We have now, according to the tour, um, established that there's a second exception. 
there's an exception for Kavana, and there's an exception to teach your children. Now, Maria Bob says you have to say that. Because the other possibilities, the question, what was Rabbi Yonah doing? Was he dabbling loudly in order to teach his children? Or was he dabbling loudly in order to have kavana? And then as an accidental byproduct, his kids learn how to pronounce Shmona Esrei. So, Maria Boab says it has to be that he was davening in order to teach his children. Why? Because this was not a case of Mashmiakolo. This was a case of Magbiakolo. It has to be. Then it's Uka. Shemloya perish a mamma ella shuhaya magbiakol adshu nimshak mizab the mikre, the avumine bene base, in a royal sekashura. Because you're not allowed to shahare, hakbat, hakol, he, meguna. Right? This, this implies that there is, you are never allowed to, you know, really yell. And apparently, wherever his kids were in the playroom, wherever they were, and he was davening, and they learned how to daven, how do you, if it's just a question of kavana, you're not allowed to scream for kavana. But maybe you are allowed to be magbiakolo in order to teach your children. That means again, we have, we're, 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 the, the premise is that Rav Yonah is um, doing something halakhically correct. Right? And the premise also here is that Kavana will never go that far. So, so look, look, look what Beis Yosef says. I don't know what he's talking about. who's there? Really, he was davening loudly for Kavana, and it was an accidental byproduct that his kids learned how to daven. Shreli Olam, Kolo, Ad why? I them in the Now again, we, we don't quite have this. Oh no, no, so we have that. Now this we don't have. Beis Yosef says the heter of kavana applies not only to mashmiakolo but even to magbiakolo. Now, I think when we read Rav Huna, Rav Huna in the Bavli only explicitly says what he says on Mashmiakolo. Rav Huna did not say what he says on Magbiakolo. Beis Yosef, either, either he had a different girsa, or maybe what's more uh, plausible, Beis Yosef was just assuming that Rav Huna's hetzer went on both. Right? But then he says, in any event, so, so we have very interesting machlokes. What emerges is, is there this second heter explicitly to daven loudly for your children? And it might very well be that that second heter is even more extensive than the first heter. Okay, the one premise that both the Marie Beirav and the Beisiel State have is that they are introducing Rav Huna's statement 
into Rav Yonah and the Yushami. We don't quite have that, right? We don't have that in the Yushami itself. So, there's another way to understand the Yushami, and which is as follows. The Yushami never ever said anything is wrong with Mashmiya Kolo. So it might very well be that according to the Yushalmi, only Magbia Kolo is wrong. Oh, so now we actually could have a, a, a third interpretation of the Yushalmi. In other words, if the Yushalmi has, I'm a Yochol Ye Magbia Kolo Kamashvalan. So maybe according to the Yushalmi, you start with the base position that. Mashmiya Kolo is okay. Maybe there's a fundamental machlokes between the Babli and the Yushalmi. What is the baseline? According to Babli, as we've seen, baseline is only Mashmiya Laznov. You hear yourself. No one else is allowed to hear you. Yushalmi might go a step up in both, in both senses. In other words, you could start out with being Mashmiya Kolo Lacherim. Rabbion and the Yushalmi is saying, that the prohibition of Magbiya Kolo is, can be overturned due to considerations such as Kavana. What do you gain by that? So, that's the discussion by the scholars point out that the question is how um, stringently do you accept this identification with the Magbiya Kolo as being connected with the Nevi'e Habal which by the way again the Rambam doesn't have any exception to Magbiya Kolo look at the Frankel edition of the Rambam the back the quotes from Nachornim that uh, make that deduction so if that is so so we could take the following position according to the Babli the, the, the Babli is the one that says that Magbiya Kolo is like a Shemitz of Avodah Zorah so therefore, according to the Babli, no exceptions ever. That point is not in the Yushami. The Yushami can start with the base level that Mashmiya Kolo Lacherim is okay, and then for purposes of Kavana, you can do Makbiya uh, Kolo. So what emerges from this analysis is that there are two differences between the Babli and the Yushami. According to the Yushami, Mashmiya Kolo is always allowed. According to the Babli, Mashmiya Kolo is only allowed through the considerations of Kavana and the like. According to the Yushalmi, Magbiya Kolo is permitted through considerations of Kavana, or maybe to teach your kids how to daven. The Babli disputes that as well, and holds that only Mashmiya Kolo has that exception. Magbiya Kolo uh, is never permitted. And the Gra already, in Bira Gra, Kufalov already realized that there are great differences between the Babli and the Yushalmi. Okay, but just before I go on, having said that, they still say it's not like this. They still say, going to Torah Lalacha, that you start that you only are Mashmiya Kololle Atmo, but there could be exceptions both for Mashmiya Kolo and for Magbiya Kolo. Now, there's one other ev- piece of evidence, historical evidence, to show that we know that in fact, historically, Jews in Babel and Jews in Eretz Yisrael did daven at different decibel levels. This evidence comes from a remarkable work. We call it the Chilukim. It's a work that defines differences between B'nai Bavel and B'nai Eretz Yisrael. This is a work 
from around the year 700, early, early Gaonic period. For hundreds of years, it was only in manuscript. The Marshal uh, commented already on it, but it was published at least twice. So in the late 1800s, there was an edition published by someone named Joel Miller. I, I once heard someone pronounce it Mueller, like the Mueller report. That was published. And then in 1937, it was published again by Mordechai Margolis with his more extensive copious notes. So that's page 18 in the Mar Macomos. It's, it's, it's a very interesting statement to uh, look at. It's one of the earliest post Talmudic uh, works we have. Once, once uh, I gave a Shin Shpuz, I just did all examples of, of these uh, Chilukim. He calls it Chiluk Min Hagim Bein Bnei Babel Livnei Eretz Yisrael from Yola Cohen Miller. So if you look at page 19, um, I apologize, it's not so clear. Chiluk number 43. A lot of differences. Um, so he he doesn't call you know you know there's a famous in the, the Talmud Bavli calls Eretz Yisrael the Marava the West. So here, assuming that the same is from the perspective of people in Eretz Yisrael, he calls the Anshe Bavel Aleph Mem stands for Anshe Mizrah the Easterners. So it said Anshe Mizrah Mispalel Adam Yudches Brachos Belachash. Uvnei Eretz Yisrael that's what Beis Aleph Yud stands for the called Rum okay this word Rum might not be uh, um, correct but anyway Lahargil Ha'am then he quotes again Bnei Babel Oshem Shispalel Yudches Ela Belachash this is the Marshal's version Uvnei Eretz Yisrael here it says the called Godol Kedei Lahargil Esat Sibur so So he just points out in his notes that we remember we saw one of the Amorim Gestavim Babada Barzavda Makhli Bikolo. So you see that there is a din in the Yerushalmi that at a certain level of cold you don't need any excuse. Not Kavana, not Chino, you Makhli Bikolo. So there definitely is a difference between B'nai Bavla and B'nai Eretzisra. Then you look further, I just published the next several pages, page 20, page 21, page 22, the other edition of that paper, this is how it's known more now. Hachilukim Shebein Anshe Mizrach B'nai Eretz Yisrael by Mordechai Margolios published. This was his doctorate originally, getting all the manuscripts. So he did, he got the doctor in Lajba Omer in Yerushalayim Ira Kodesh. That's nice to see scholarly person writing <laughs> publishing Shine Ira Kodesh and then Tesla uh, Batebes already was uh, now this is much clearer Aleph Mem Anshe Mizrach difference number 43 Anshe Mizrach Hesval Adam Yudches Brachos Belachash Ubenei Eitz Yisrael Bekol Ram or some say Bekol Godel Hargil Ha'am by the way in his notes the Mordechai Magolis has a lot of interesting uh, points on this. You know, in Eretz Yisrael, in the Gonic period, there were a lot of Karaim, Karaites. These were people who gave our forefathers no, no end of grief. You know, they only accepted Tosh Shebech 
and not Torah Balpeh. But what's interesting is, in those things in which the Karayim uh, accepted, uh, basically agreed with uh, what we did, they also generally only follow the Eretz Yisrael Minhag and not the Bavl Minhag. So we have evidence that the Karayim daven loudly. But that fits, he says, Eretz Yisrael. That was Eretz Okay, so from the point of view of the Shalmi, the Karayim got that one right. Now, we should assume methodologically that the view of the Chilukim was grounded in the earlier customs of the Jews of Eretz Israel, And that the Babli's view, right, is that bar, barring special circumstances, one may not daven so that other people uh, could hear him. So, if you could interpret the Yerushalmi to say that it assumes that one may always daven the level of Mashmiach Kolo, so that's very important now. So now we have another text that the Talmud Yerushalmi, the way we're, expl- we're explaining it, that there is a base level of Mashmiach Kolo that's always fine, was indeed the, the source of the Minog Eretz Yisrael. Now, having said that, I will say, um, I don't think Tom would permit me, there might be some sources in the Shami that Pramathesha seems to indicate that one should daven silently. Uh, Ginsburg in, in uh, Perusha Rishon Shami discusses this. So he says that those other sources, they're not using the word fila there in the sense of Shimon Esrei. Those are the exceptions. He's talking about Vidui, he's talking about various uh, other words that there's other uh, prayers they're not actually uh, Shmona Esrei ah, so it'll come out like this the question is though, what exactly is the Chilukim saying is the Chilukim assuming that Mashmiach Kolo is always good and that's for Magbiach Kolo the higher level it's good then we just have a question it doesn't seem to be parallel between what's going on in Bavel and what's going on in Eretz Israel. In other words, if you look at the Chilukim, they always say, B'nai Eretz Yisrael do this, or B'nai Bavel do that. Like, like, if you look previous on that page, talk about Cholomoe, different things. So that's the problem. B'nai Bavel is telling you the baseline situation, Balachash, and B'nai Eretz Yisrael, they're giving you the exception. Right? So that's, uh, that actually is a problem. So there might be a reason to assume that the word after Kol, whether it's Rum, whether it's Gavoa, that might have been uh, what's called a Shigra Delishna. You know, sometimes we, we use the word Kol Rum, a lot of places. A very famous Gemara in Sota, it's good muster. The Gemara says that one mentions his own virtues, you know, toots his own horn, so to speak, the Kol Rum. One mentions his deficits, the Kol Namuch. So, so kol rum, you know, you know, in other words, the difference between like or belachash really just might be kol. But but there are places in the Gemara, you know, where, where somehow we, we we end up saying kol rum. I guess the difference between touting your virtues and hiding your flaws is more than one step away. <laughs> it's many steps away. So if you don't have the gears of rum or gadol mechilukim then one is left with a minute, the one davens for kol. And that's exactly the view of various passages in the Yashalmi. But now we have another question. The question is, why does the Chilukim have to mention of the Hargil Esa'am at all? Right? So we saw that already in the Yashalmi, one, one Amorah davens so loudly to teach the children how to play. Well, if the, reg- if the baseline level is kol, 
which is equivalent to Mashmiyah Kol and not Makbiyah Kol, why do you need that at all? So it turns out there's another way to interpret the word Kdei Lahargil Esa'am it has nothing to do with what we saw on the Beis Yosef and the Mario Bab before. Kdei Lahargil Esa'am it means I'll say it like in English and they themselves can take the Amud. In other words, they should not feel um, anything wrong and when they are daven the, shal- the silent Shmona Esrei that they can daven the call. That's a very interesting idea. What, what happens? You know, in, in the times of the Chilukim, it wasn't like today, you know, you had a formal, you know, Honda would say, you daven, you, you take the Amud or something like that. It, it, it was a guy who just go up and, 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 and he would be the, and he would be the Chazin. So we're saying that they, they as Israel understood it's okay to daven the call, even when, even, you know, your, your, your initial Shimon Esrei. So if you say that, they're not teaching anybody. But they're referring to the people who are davening loudly for themselves. So the Chalukim stands firmly in the Eretz Yisrael tradition, as opposed to the Talmud Babli and the Minog of Anshe Babel. So now that we're widening our net, so to speak, is there, is there, are there any other extraneous sources which talk about how Chana uh, davened? So this is a very rare book, so for sure everyone will broaden it even more. So many of us have heard about Philo, right, the great Jewish philosopher. So there was another text, it's like interpretation of Various the, the Torah up until up until Shaul Hamelach, so it's called. We now know it's not Philo, so it's called Pseudo Philo. He has a lot of midrashim. It's a very interesting, uh, very interesting book. So a lot of stuff he has, a, a lot of midrashim. Then then he has other things that we we we, uh, we don't have in Kabbal. This this problem was this. This was you know, Philo wrote in Greek. This this book was written in Latin. And the scholars can tell it was the Latin which was translated from the Greek, which itself was translated from the original Hebrew. So he has a whole passage dealing with Tefillah Chana. So it says, very interesting, says she was not davening in a loud voice. I think the Latin was Clara Voce. She was, she, she was not, uh, we would say in Hebrew, called Salul. She was silent. Why? So here's something interesting that fits with a lot of Midrashim. Because Chana, so, so it comes out that look, according to Yushalmi, you have to daven, or, you, or, or it's okay to daven, like Shmiya Kolo, other people should have heard. So Ailey should have heard her. Why didn't Ailey hear her? So just like we have, we see in extenuating circumstances, you could daven loudly here. There were extenuating circumstances that she had to daven more silently. Why? Because he says she didn't want her rival Penina to know that she was praying for a child. Because Penina would cruelly taunt her for being childless even more. And she, she wouldn't be able to handle that. So, the, the, what we're calling, you know, the Clarivoche, the Kol Salul, is equivalent to Lashmiya Kolol. So this would be consistent with the position of the Shalom in Eretz Yisrael as, a, as expressed in the Chilukim. But you get from, you know, Sudafilo also. Again, he's, he's, let's put it this way. Um, the good things in him will take. I, I, can't, I can't vouch for, uh, you know, everything. But again, just, just like, uh, you know, 
Dr. Belkis, say, ah, there's certain things in Philo, oh, that fits with us, and that will take, that's another, uh, that's another source. So here also, you have a source from Minah Geretz Yisrael. Now, let's go quickly to Bisman Hazer. So then we'll wrap it up. And there's so much on this, so I apologize for not finishing the whole Myron McComos, we'll go for another uh, five minutes or so. So even though today, the Minag of Klai Yisrael is the Daman Shmona Esrei, silently like the Babli, right? So we, we do, that's the Shulchan Aruch, the Mekubalev, you might shmear your own Oznav. Uh, but there are cases, certainly from the time of the Beis Joseph, it's clear that both Ashkenazim, Svardim, and they talk about Italian Jews, were all dominating loudly. That's on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So there are a lot of sources on this. There's a Mordechai on this. Sechaz Yuma, the Shibali Haleket. Oh. Why? So you can interpret the davening Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur loudly as due simply extenuating circumstances. We need Kavana. Right? We want God to hear us. And you might want to claim that everybody is mochel everybody else. You know, every middle of Tuesday morning, a guy starts screaming, you know, uh, um, he comes late to shul, he puts his palace on, and then, you know, he says, well, and, you know, stares everyone kavano. So now we don't like. That, 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 that's, that's wrong. And I, 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 of course, I know, I'm just using this as an example, because the dominant we're talking about here is Shimon Esrei. But, you know, in the middle of the week, okay, but on, on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, it might be mutually everybody's mochel, everybody else. I'll daven loudly, you'll daven loudly, it's okay. Or alternatively, and this discussion in the getting into the whole Baralacha here on this Mishabrua, but maybe there's an idea of lahargil as ha'am to teach your children, to teach other people what to do. Let's say so. Here, for example, I know. Let's say in in a shul that follows the minag hagra, that you don't say also shalom. You say him varas ma'israel b'shalom even on Rosh Hashanah. So someone someone can say that loudly in order to teach people that's how you should do it. So, in other words, that's an extension of B'nai Beis Ah. The thing is like this. Now that we have seen, at least on the level of Mashmiya Kolo, there's the view of the Yoshalmi that Mashmiya Kolo is always mutter. So now we can, we can explain this a little differently. You know, there are a lot of places where on the Yomim Norayim, even in Babel, the minog of Bnei Eretz Yisrael was adopted. So I'll just give two examples. One example is the expanded nusach of the brach of Atah Kadosh. We say Kadosh Atah Venorah Shmecha Enel Kami Baladecha. That, by the way, in Eretz Yisrael was always the brach of Atah Kadosh. We don't say that. We say That's it. So it comes out that that Nusach was always on uh, Eretz Yisrael and for whatever reason, can't get into this now the Minog even in Bobel was to adopt Minog Eretz Yisrael on Yom Narayim second example if you don't go like the Grah you say Ose Shalom. that's the last bracha of Shmon Esrei so again, if you don't consider the view of the Grah that says that even the Yom Narayim you end with Hamvarasim Yisrael Bashalom also, Shalom was the conclusion of Bnei Eretz Yisrael all year round. People don't know that. They always said, Oseh Shalom. But, in Babel, many people said, you go that on Rosh Hashanah. So now, watch this. 
it could conceivably be that the ultimate source of the minot cloud Yisrael to daven loudly on Yomim Norayim is besides the issue of Kavana, besides the issue of you know, Chinuch for B'nai Beisto in the broader sense it's adopting the Shita of Eretz Yisrael at least with respect to Lashmiya as us know that even though during the year we have to take care that no one else but us hears us in the Yomim Narayim each and every one of us is Dabka Mashmiya Kolo only thing is but for Magbiya Kolo this will not uh, suffice so it doesn't work all the way it worked for Mashmiya Kolo but for Magbiya Kolo we have to conclude that here it's a special uh, dispensation because on Rosh Hashanah we want to pray to God the jury is out we want to live for another year who knows that Rosh Hashanah you know so there is the one case we can and maybe we should pray to God as hard and as firmly as we can for your life and good health so I want to thank uh, this conclusion thank everyone for uh, another year in the Siegel Torah Institute and I want to thank Rabbi Ram and all the uh, and the people and everyone should have a great summer